What's going on with y'all? You're listening to Yusuf and Bakara with You Periods Podcast, where we bring a global perspective to you. What's up, Bakara? Hey, man, what's up, man? I'm, I'm excited about episode two of The Appearance. And actually, man, how did you get into traveling, man? Well, what made you want to travel? And what were really that thing that really made you say, hey, I just love traveling? Man, I like to challenge myself. That's the number one thing. I like to challenge myself going to different countries. I've been about 30 so far, and every single one has just been an amazing experience. Um, I challenge myself by learning, well, trying to learn the local language a little bit as I can. And I like to, you know, learn about cultures, learn about, you know, the different customs and traditions of the people I'm talking to and the people I meet along my travels. And I like to expand my horizons, my perspective. My perspective, I feel like, has definitely been broadened since I started traveling and allowed me to be more of an open-minded and more well-rounded person over the years. And it really just makes you appreciate your life and where you came from. And it really makes you like get in touch with yourself. I love it. Traveling really just, you know, opens your eyes to how the world really works. What about you, man? Growing up, I always wanted to explore like different places. I remember as a kid, I used to ride bikes with my friends around the neighborhood. And we used to literally just go to different neighborhoods. Each neighborhood was like another city or another country. Even going down the street was another city, another country. So when I grew up, I still had that curiosity and that desire to explore the world. Because I feel like everywhere you go, you can learn something new, like you, like you were saying. Yeah. And I really believe that traveling really brings people together, and it really brings perspectives together. And I really mm-hmm. believe it can change the world because we can learn and realize that we're different, but we are the same at the same time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And in a way that I kind of learned over the years to bring cultures together, food. It really does bring people together, man. You're trying new foods and they're trying yours and you're just sharing a meal together and, you know, exchanging your culture through your, your taste senses. You're, you're exchanging culture and learning about, you know, how each other eats and what, what people eat for, you know, different occasions and different celebrations. Really, food brings people together. When you invite someone over, like you're traveling in a different country and you'll you'll meet like a family and you'll get to chopping it up with them and they'll invite you over for dinner and a couple hours later you just became best friends with this family now you have a contact in let's say thailand you know so it's it's great you know food really does bond people and bond cultures i really think that trying new foods when you're in a different country is a necessity and if you don't why would you go to like you know mcdonald's or kfc or something when you can have that in the States, that's just silly to me. Try the local foods, even if it seems foreign, even if it seems kind of, you know, new and strange or whatever, just, hey, you never know unless you try it. You never know you're going to dislike something or really, really love something unless you actually try it for the first time. So I 100% agree. Like, I'm a huge foodie. When I go to different places, I have to try local cuisines. Yeah. Because I feel like, like you said, it, it really brings you closer, even how they cook a certain thing. Like you can have the same type of cuisine, but it is made differently mm-hmm. with different, different spices, cultures. Different ingredients. Spi- yeah. Absolutely. So 
I totally understand with you in terms of food. Like, what was like one of your favorite food places or foods Ooh, that man. you ate in, in I another? Can't give you, but my, I'll give you like my favorites: Peru, Thailand, and Vietnam, and Morocco. Those are like my top four. It's hard to choose like my favorite, but I just remember each one of those countries just being just everywhere I went, even like just a street food spot that, you know, around the corner that's not even famous or anything like that. It's just miles ahead of an actual sit down restaurant in the States. Just like a street food vendor is better than a four star restaurant here. I'll say, I'll just talk. Thailand is just number one for street food. Like you go to Bangkok, like, Everywhere you go, you can find food from all over the whole like country. It's incredible. Spices and different, you know, blends of sensory experiences. Like they'll have savory mixed with spicy. They they, they do it. They do it crazy out there. I love it. Uh, like the Tom Yum Gung in North Thailand, Chiang Mai. Wow. When I came back from the states, I was like, I need this every day of my life. Or the ceviche in Peru. Whew. Or the tagine in Morocco. I heard the ceviche in Peru is amazing. Ceviche, and it's so good too. It's so refreshing. Like it's it's good for you. It's just fish, basically cooked with some type of citric acid, like a lemon or lime, or just tons of let's. It's like this thing called leche de tigre, like tiger's milk, and it's the broth that's in the ceviche. And it's the most. Inc- I could have that every day. Like I would start if I could start my day off with tiger's milk every single day i would like just it just starts your day off refreshed and just gives you so much energy and just tastes amazing yeah man that's you know it's crazy like one of my goals this year is to go to peru uh i want to go to machu picchu this year yeah so i definitely will try out the peruvian ceviche while i'm there and also go to lima man and it's underrated too no one really thinks about peru when they think of the best cuisines in the world, it always goes to like France or Italy. Don't get me wrong. Those are really great countries for food, but there's so many other places like Peru has is the one who started potatoes. You know, Europe wouldn't have had potatoes unless it was brought back from the conquistadors uh, from South America, from Peru. They have over 4,000 different types, purple potatoes, like, Green, I don't know if it's green, but like all the different colors of the rainbow, different types of potatoes, nuts. And they're all like simmered in a spice that's just to die for. It's incredible. You'll just be like, I want this every day. We definitely have to talk about Peru on on another episode. Before I make that trip to Peru, I got to check out the, the CDC advisory levels. Let's go. Before I make that trip to Peru, that pretty much tells you if you should either go to these countries or you shouldn't go to these countries. And they break these countries down in four sections. Level one is pretty much is safe to go. Uh, level two is moderate. Uh, level three is high. Uh, and level four is like you shouldn't go to these countries at all. Some countries that's actually on level four, and it was actually the website was updated January twelfth. And I'm I'm sad to say Peru was on that list of level four, uh. <laughs> but also Mexico was on this list. 
I felt safer in Mexico than I than I do in the States. Really? It's okay. Mexico's on his list. All right. Brazil is on his list. Brazil's on the list? Yeah, Brazil's on the list. Wow. Okay. Oh, Colombia is on his list as well. Not Colombia. Colombia is on his list. <laughs> Don't say it again. Colombia is on his list. <laughs> no. Morocco is on his list. Oh, not the motherland. No. Egypt is on level four. Sheesh. And I'm sure if you're European or sure United States would be on this list as well. Oh, so if you like you come from a country and you're trying to go to the States to travel or whatever, to go on a little road trip or something. Yeah. I'm your sure, country would be like, don't I'm go sure to the United States. I'm sure United States would be on level <laughs> don't four. Don't go here. Is what very high. I advise you not to go to this country. I'm sure United States would be on this list. Yeah, we're, we're breaking new records daily. Breaking new as records. Of, as of January uh, 2021. <laughs> so with that being said, though, from our previous episode, we talked about going to Mexico. People still have been going to Mexico. People are still been going to Brazil. Mm-hmm. People are still actually Brazil opened up has opened up the borders, so you can still go to Brazil and Colombia. You just got to do your research, like we said before. Yeah, absolutely, just be safe. Be safe out there. Do your research. You know, common sense always prevails. You know, just do your thing, man. Mm-hmm. And then, oh yeah, level three is just high. It's just saying we advise you not to go, but. Is better than the other countries. Mm. And some on level three is Turk and Caicos. Okay. T and K. Which I was kind of surprised, to be honest. I was kind of surprised. And then level two is moderate. So it's, you know, it's still, you know, be safe again. And uh, Barbados, Rihanna country. (laughs) Not Riri. (laughs) Riri is on level two. And then here's the shocker. So level one means you can definitely go there. You just got to wear six feet apart, wear a mask. You can go to this country. Pretty much what they tell us to do here in the United States. And some countries that's on level one, which I think uh, Yusuf would love, is Thailand. Yeah. <laughs> Taiwan. And a uh, big shocker, I, I don't know how far we're going to go deep in this, but uh, China. China's on, on level one. <laughs> level one? What they the epicenter? Wuhan? I thought it started there. I mean, yeah, depending on who you, dang, that's wild. And Fiji in Australia. Well, Fiji. Australia actually played it well. Australia has really done. New Zealand, too. I was hearing about how New Zealand, like, pretty much eradicated the virus and people are walking around mask-free because the, everyone actually listened and did their thing and really uh, handled their virus and, like, their pandemic really well. Like, they, it was one of the first countries to completely eradicate it. That's crazy you say New Zealand because New Zealand's on level one. I didn't even say it. That, that was wild. <laughs> Should shoot. Or if it's not, I'm going to get rid of that whole, I'm not listening to CDC for these so level good. one categories. Hey, that's good. New Zealand's level one, actually. Should be so, level <laughs> negative, zero, something. <laughs> New Zealand's level one. So that, that makes sense. So I guess if we, if we all just come together and just say, hey, let's work together and get rid of this. I think hopefully there won't be any more levels and people yeah. can just go back and travel and do what they do. Shoot, still travel, but uh, travel to the areas that you know from experience or from people that you know that are there that are telling you, hey, as long as you follow the CDC outside of the states, you'll be good to go. Wear your mask, social distance as you can, and you know, uh, just be smart about it. Just be just use common sense. That's all it is. Right. I think too. But I feel like some of these countries that's on level four, if they just 
follow the same directions of level one, it can be the same. Like, for example, what you're saying about Mexico, like you felt safer in Mexico, but that's on level four. And what they're saying about travelers, what they're saying to do if this country on level one, they saying wear a mask, stay at least six feet from people who are not from your household, wash your hands often and use hand sanitizer and watch your health. Why can't you just do that with all those countries? And I don't even give credence to the whole airports or airplanes being unsafe at all, because there are studies out there. I was looking to this a month and a half ago. Basically, there was a Harvard study that essentially said from the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health explained that powerful HEPA filters, those are high efficiency particulate air filters on planes, they change the cabin air 20 to 30 times an hour. And then, of course, pairing that with required mass on the planes makes travel basically an unlikely source of infection. In 2020, 60 cases during an entire year, as opposed to 1.2 billion passengers during the entire year of 2020, only 60 got transmitted COVID. You know? Yeah. So basically you're saying that flying is safer than going to the grocery store? Is that what yeah. you're saying? Airplanes are safer than grocery stores. Grocery stores do not have the same type of technology that you know an airplane airports have. They're recycling the air multiple times, 20, 30 times, you know, an hour, you know, it's not that you could just wear your mask over your mouth and that's it. No, if you don't wear your mask, not only just over your nose, but at all, they're kicking you off the plane. Like they're, they're not playing games. It's not like grocery store. You see, especially in the state of Georgia or in the South, usually like you see people walk around, no mask. No, that's not going to cut it at an airport. Like you can't get on the plane. And if you take it off on the plane itself, they're coming after you. Everyone's going to look at you like, you crazy. <laughs> like They're strict, and as they should be. You know? So I, I really think it's much safer than a grocery store or like uh, anywhere else you go. And there was a report by Aviation Public Health Initiative that said, basically, the odds of you getting an infected virus droplet from someone else on a plane is three in 1,000. Oh, wow. Wearing masks. Yeah. So the risk is extremely low. So basically, because I think, because like you said before, airlines and airports are taking all precautions, basically. Mm -hmm. Compared to proper airflow. They have the same amount of, if not better airflow and better HEPA filters than hospitals. So it takes the ventilation system of a plane about six minutes to reduce the number of viral particulates in the air by 99.9%. So that, that fact alone reduces risk significantly compared to like, you know, grocery stores, office buildings, restaurants, even your house. You'd be surprised. I really do think people overplay the danger of traveling. I'm strictly talking about facts here. These are all, you know, double blind studies that are essentially by credible organizations. This is Harvard. These are aviation organizations. Just do your research and don't live in complete fear. Like whatever you hear on the news, do your own research. You know what I mean? I'm not saying disregard the news or anything like that. No, I'm just saying, you know, do your own research. That's all. Common sense. I agree. Yeah. You have to do your research because if you don't do your research, you're going to be in fear not to travel. 
because you're more likely to get COVID by just going out down the street or going to the mm-hmm. gas station or going to the grocery store or going to doing your normal, normal day than traveling. Oh, absolutely. And uh, speaking of when things hopefully get back to normal or still want to travel wherever, what country going to Colombia, what do you know about Colombia in terms of what to do when they do get off of level four? Or even if you still want to travel there on level four, you might get the vaccine, wherever you decide to do. What do you recommend with when going Columbia, to Colombia? I went to Colombia a few years ago and I loved it. I went with a couple of buddies and we went to the major cities. I wish we kind of went further out instead of just the major cities. But from what I just experienced from the city life, I absolutely loved it. And I was like, I need to come back. No questions about that. Like it's, I went, we started off in Bogota. And then we went to Medellin and then uh, Cartagena. Cartagena is like the Miami of South America. That's what they call, I heard it. They call it little Miami. <laughs> I heard Cartagena is, is the Miami. Like yeah. I heard it's really fun. Okay. Yeah. And just uh, not only just the fun and the nightlife and the things you could do and experiences you could have, but the actual buildings, it really does look like Miami. It's like there's a lot of white buildings right on the coastline, a lot of same weather. It's pretty cool. But yeah, I started off in Bogota. Bogota is like what they call, essentially, it's like the New York City of Colombia. That's where all the business is done. Uh, Bogota is pretty cool. You could do a lot. You can find some really cool food trucks, having some empanadas there. And I freaking loved it. I'm transitioned from Bogota and Guatape to Medellin. Medellin is also a cool city, man. It's, it's nicknamed the City of Eternal Spring. Because it's always got good weather. <laughs> always. If you're looking for, you know, any type of experience, you can find it in Medellin. Whether it be, you know, the numerous parks and the plazas, you can go around the Park RV, which is a huge, huge park. And it's 1,500 years in the making. Like, it's one of the oldest parks in the world. And you can find a little market there, and there's trails everywhere. There's this thing called um, Guatape that's... The coolest look at the, you have to, it's like this huge outcropping. It's, it's like a landmark that's known as the Stone of El Pino. It's called the Rock of Guatape. And it's located a few, I think a few hours east. And what it looks like, it's a landform. It's like made of complete granite rock. It's the only thing like it surrounding. There's like lakes around it, really turquoise, blue, greenish lakes that are just gorgeous. But it just sticks out out of nowhere. And there's a set of stairs that goes all the way to the top and about 649 steps to the top. So be ready. <laughs> like it just, they crisscross all the way up and you get to the top and you see uh, the most amazing view. And it's really cool. It's about 200 meters up, 656 feet above in the base. And you could just go up and just kind of really get an exercise in. And there's tons of food and market stalls for shopping and like get knickknacks here and there. And halfway up the stairs is a shrine for the Virgin Mary. And when I was there, I saw I saw a soccer match. It was between Cali and Medellin. I got one of the jerseys while I was out there. It was the most energy I've ever felt in my life. Like it, it I heard it's a whole different level. And it never actually happened, but when I was out there, it seemed like there was about to be brawls because these are, think about like Duke versus UNC, one of the biggest rivalries of all time. 
that's nowhere even close to the rivalries that I got to witness. Like uh, Cali versus Medellin, those two like cities, they have these football teams within the cities that are just go back like a hundred years. Like their rivalries go deep, and it's so much passion when I'm out there. You could feel the energy coming from the stands, from the people, from everywhere. Like I've no football, basketball, any game that I've ever been to in the States has, has even come close to the energy and like the vibe that I felt at this soccer match when I was out there. It was, it's like a religion, like for real, like a religion. If you don't do anything in Colombia except one thing, make that one thing go to a soccer match. Even if you don't even like, like sports, you know, just go out there and just experience that vibe because it's one of a kind. Absolutely. Imagine being there during the World Cup. Just from my experience of like a, a soccer match compared to a World Cup match, I couldn't even imagine that. It would be bonkers. Absolutely. So from there, we went from Medellin to Cartagena, the Miami of Colombia. It was some good vibes out there. The beaches out there were really cool. We went out. The actual city itself, the, the beaches out in the city of Cartagena are not the best. So we took a ferry to Isla de Tierra Bomba or near Porto Nao Pendales. I'm not saying that right, probably. <laughs> but uh, the beaches out there are just insane. You have to you have to take a boat to get out there, but it's worth it. Absolutely worth it. Just How was that pristine. process of getting that? Begin, beginning a boat to oh, yeah, get to that beach? Simple. Like, What's the process like there? It's not even a process, honestly. You just go to any port, <laughs> ask around. You don't even really need to be fluent, fluent Spanish. It's pull out your Google Translate if it becomes, like, difficult, you know? And just ask somebody, like, hey, can you take me to Isla de Tierra, Bomba, or do you know anybody? And they'll just refer you, point you in the right direction. Or you can just Google it. There's tons of ferry services. And yeah. What, was it expensive? From my memory, I think it was about five, six bucks one way. And they, they use these things called lanchas, which is uh, locally known as a boat. You know, you go all the way out there, you can get the lunch on the island for seven, six bucks. You can haggle a cabana, get a lounger for seven bucks. You can make it a whole day trip. It's pretty beautiful out there. I'd recommend the beaches out there as opposed to just right next to Cartagena. Colombia's a vibe. The music, the food, the people, the people are what really, (laughs) people are what really make the visit worthwhile because you really get, um, a sense of community, like people really love to live, if that makes sense. And that, and honestly, life. bro, and that's life. what it's about. It's about living and bringing that, bringing that sense of community together. And that's yeah. that's. I'm glad you said that is that it's the people who make the country, and you can tell the culture. Absolutely, the Colombian love. people. They love to dance. They love to have fun. They love to just you know live and just talking to them. It's, it's great. Like, they'll come from all walks of life, you know, all backgrounds. And I've been invited to multiple times where people just say, hey, come back to the house. We'll, you know, we'll kick it, whatever. We just got, I got to know Colombians on a more intimate level and really got to experience and figure out the history. Just like how my little rant was for the first episode about Mexico, they literally only think about cartels and, you know, Pablo Escobar <laughs> and, you know. Yes. Yeah. Escobar is funding the soccer team. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He actually funded the train system in Bogota. I learned a lot about that, too, in the history. But most of that stuff is it was during the 80s and the 90s. It's 
it's no longer the center of you know drug trafficking like it like it once was like the the negative uh history of of that in terms of you know how notorious colombia is for blase blase but that's all in the past you know now there's like there's a little bit here and there but it's not like what we're watching watching on netflix like narcos and you know all these documentaries about Pablo Escobar it's, it's nothing like that anymore it's overblown of course well is the coffee good I'm not huge on coffee like I, I'll try it you know just because hey, it's a new experience in terms of trying something from that country I, I had it and it was really strong I'm pretty sensitive to caffeine and I tried it and I was I was zooted for the whole day <laughs> so it's it's strong and my friends I was out there with, my buddy Kevin, he was, he's like a huge coffee connoisseur. And he was having the time of his life out there. So he told me that, yeah, Colombia coffee, it's, that, it's where it's at. <laughs> if you're big on coffee, go to Colombia, try out all the different regions and the different uh, varieties that they have because it's fresh. Like we'll have like freshly grounded coffee that morning that was like picked a couple of days ago or like even the day before process and all that stuff. So uh, I didn't know the intricacies of it, but my buddy was like, this, this is it. <laughs> I need to come back just to like, you know, order some stuff and send it back to the States myself. So yeah, Columbia coffee. We definitely got to talk to Kevin and uh, definitely learn his experiences of the variety of the different coffees. Yeah, Cause there are a lot of people out there who want, want to try the different coffees. Also her, there's another coffee place. It's in Ethiopia, but we can talk about that another time. But yeah, so definitely visit Colombia before you go to Colombia. Check, do your research and see what you have to do to go. Even though it's on level four on the CDC, there are people still going to Colombia, but you just got to check and see exactly what you have to do to go to Colombia. Yeah, whether you get like a PCR test, we have to be vaccinated in a couple months because you know we're we're already moving towards that type of rule where most airlines are going to require documentation of vaccination before you can get on a plane so um, right it's getting it's getting there and then also when you're looking for your flight you have to keep that in mind too in in terms of your budget for columbia if you have to take a test and stuff yeah because there are cheaper flights and that's something we was talking about earlier this this week really there's cheaper flights, but you have to make sure that you don't have, if you got to take a test and you got to make sure that it fits in a budget as well and budget all for the whole trip. Yeah. But remember what uh, Mr. Yusuf said, he said it is safer to fly than actually go to the grocery store. Yeah, airplanes and airports are uh, statistically safer than being in a grocery store or like, you know, an office building and things like that. So that wraps us up. And uh, I just want to say thank you all so, for listening to the appearance. And don't forget to follow us at your parents on all platforms and check out next week, a brand new episode every Sunday. And y'all have a great day. Check us out. All right. Peace. Peace.